York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Welcome back to New York Game Day here, 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks, Matthias Kiwanuka. It's our time to take a look around the bigger picture, what's happening in around the league as we head into week 17. And this is this is really, it's kind of bittersweet, Kiwi, because it's like, it's it's a really exciting time of year because it is a playoff atmosphere, as we know, and, and we're going to dive into, um, you know, games and teams that need to win uh, in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. And so it's a playoff atmosphere, but it's also an indication that the season is almost over. Right. And <laughs> yeah. And so and so let, let me ask you this. Now that you're now that you're on the other side. Now that you've come to the dark side um, of the media covering the NFL, do you see? Do you see and understand why we never want the season to end, and how we want we want a longer season? We want twenty games. Like, do you see now why we don't want the season to end? And you guys are like, absolutely. Like, um, yeah. My good friend Osi used to say, it's real easy to be tough with somebody else's body. You know, like um, <laughs> the issue the issue isn't that that guys don't want to play or that we don't want to play. It's just that you know when you're in the prime of your career or wherever you're at in your career, you know, 17, 18 games, that's a, that's a long season. It takes a toll on your body. Hits are cumulative. And at some point you just have to take some time away to let your body regenerate so that you can come back for the next year. But uh, yeah, I'm being on this side. Um, it seems like there's, there's never enough games. You know, the NFL has done a good job of filling up the schedule, you know, during this part of the season or this part, you know, of the year. Um, but, you know, you just can't get enough of it. Yeah. Uh, welcome. Welcome. Welcome to my world, my friend. Welcome to my world. <laughs> um, hey, let's look back before we look forward. Uh, that Dallas game against Tennessee. I don't know about you. That first half and even part of the third quarter. I'm like, wait a minute. This is the Dallas team that just beat the Philadelphia Eagles on on mm. Christmas Eve. Like what? Yep. Like, are you kidding me? And like Dak Prescott continuing to throw a ton of interceptions. Granted, one was not his fault, but but nonetheless, I just, you know, it's just this this Dallas team has me concerned. You know, yeah. they're 12 and 4. They've already clinched. Right now they're sitting at the 5 seed in the NFC. Um, but like that's a Tennessee Titans team that was resting a ton of players. They should have came yeah. in and took care of business and they didn't. Watching that Thursday game, how concerned are you for this Dallas team heading into the postseason? I'm very concerned. I mean, I think they they have definitely clinched. They've they've earned the right to to continue playing in the postseason. But at this point, this is the point of the year where you want to be clicking. This is where you want to be moving, you know, in unison, you know, all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. We've heard all the the cliches. But, you know, when you have um, inconsistencies, you know, interceptions, and you couple that with injuries, you're talking about possibly, uh, you know, um, hyperextensions. It's it's a um, it's not a good place to be heading into the playoffs. It's not enough to just get a spot in the playoffs. You need to be rolling into the playoffs on all cylinders. There's no denying that. I've I've got some major concerns about that Dallas team. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on on resting players? Big game for the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans coming our way in Week 18. That's going to be a, a again talking about like that playoff atmosphere, right? Win uh-huh. and win and you're in. Now it's really interesting because Jacksonville doesn't necessarily have to play their players this week uh, against Tennessee. I, I mean, yeah, uh, no, against Houston, the Houston Texans today. But Doug Peterson has said, nope, I don't believe in resting our players. We're going to play everybody, but they don't have to. 
they really, it just comes down to the game next week. But I understand Tennessee was dealing with a lot more injuries than the, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars have been. And the Jaguars have, like, have found this gear. They're playing great football. Well, what's your philosophy? I mean, you've been there. Do you rest yeah, or do I you think, not? Who, who's who's no. making the right decision here? You have to, every coach has to make that decision for every player. Every team is not the same and every player is not the same. There are players who can go out there, you know, and I've seen them, you know, ride a bike for the majority of the season and still go out and give you, you know, excellent performances. And then there are other players and, you know, where if they're not practicing, it shows up on film, you know, and, and I think, so you look at the individuals, their maturity level, their experience, how well they've mastered, you know, the offense or the defense or whatever their assignment is. And then you also have to look at, um, you know, how mature your team is, you know, is your team the type that's going to be able to, you know, have some time off, have some days off and use that time to you know get their bodies back. Or is this a group that's going to be out partying? And so, you know, you, as a coach, you know, that's, that's one of the difficult parts is, you know, you, you, you could say whatever you want. Yeah. We're not going to rest there, but, but players know, we know who's getting the snaps in practice during the week and who you're expecting to perform. Um, and we also know, you know, who's going to come back from a day off tired and who's going to come back rejuvenated. And, and that's that's part of being a head coach. you got to make that call. Some other quarterback storylines this week. Menchu, um, you know, in, in, in what he's been able to do for this Philadelphia Eagles team. Carson Wentz getting <laughs> getting back. Dude's got nine lives. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't see it. I don't understand it. I, I really don't. I don't hear great things. I don't understand it. But Carson Wentz going to be starting for Washington yet again. Um, and so it just goes and, and it's just it's it's those stories that just tell me. And I don't think enough people appreciate like how important the backup quarterback is in the NFL because players are getting injured quite often, very frequently. And I just I, I don't I don't understand why more teams don't value the backup quarterback position. <laughs> they're gamblers. <laughs> they're risk. They're risk takers. I mean, you, mm-hmm. I don't think you don't make it to the level of, of, of NFL ownership with, without you know you know having taken some calculated risks, and, and and that's just one of them. But we all know what happens, you know. And I've said it before. Like this is something that you know our D line coaches came in and ripped us about when we were playing, and, and you know talking about you know we had a great day of practice out there one day, and you know we we're trying to see how close we could get to Eli before you know Coughlin lost his his, his mind, you know, and our d-line coach after we got chewed out you know he came and chewed us out again and was like guys you don't understand like you get too close to eli you hurt his arm you know we are all going home next year and i've been on teams where this is him saying he's been on teams where you know a quarterback goes down and all of a sudden everybody's packing and, and looking for new jobs like that's how important the quarterback play or quarterback position is in the nfl and i was fortunate enough to play with you know iron man and eli who didn't take many days off but a lot of other situations are not like that so um yeah i think i think it's it's very important but it's not just having a guy or having a durable guy he has to be able to understand a system that is not created for him so it's more difficult than you think it's not just he's not just a backup quarterback and who's going to go in there and play he's now asked to be playing a system that has been created and tailored for a quarterback that is not him you know and that takes a lot of maturity it takes a lot of humility and it takes a lot of like time practicing and, and, and studying to to be able to get that done we had david carr for a number of years who i, I thought was a was a great backup but you know trying to find that person and then keep them you know retain them because you know other teams are going to be looking to to get at the good backup quarterbacks also it's a it's a difficult thing 
No denying that. Before uh, before we take a break, uh, let's talk about what's going on with Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, granted, <laughs> um, Denver just looked completely lost, and, and they were not ready for that game um, against the Rams. But, man, he's won two of three. He is, he is putting on a show. And, and listen, this is an audition. I know there's some talk and speculation. Would he stay in Los Angeles and, and be backup to, uh, to, to Matthew Stafford? I, I think there's guys in the league, like, like I'm sure Joe Flacco, he's, he's, he's comfortable being a backup. Nick Foles, I think he's comfortable being a backup. I don't think Baker Mayfield's ready to be a backup right now. No, I, I no. guess my question to you is, based on what you've seen, okay, based on what you've yeah. seen from Baker Mayfield, should should the Jets be interested? Should other t- like what other teams do you think should be interested in Baker Mayfield? Based on I know small sample size, mm-hmm. got to give credit, got to give credit where credit's due. Sean McVay has put together a good game plan for him, but should mm-hmm. teams be interested? Yeah, I think you know I'll use one of um, Mike T's words: scour. You know, teams that are you know um, struggling with quarterback play right now should all be taking a look, another look at Baker Mayfield. And but honestly, I think you have to do it with the understanding of. Um, this is one of the issues I have. It's not just a plug and play situation. You know, you, you can't just take a quarterback, most of them. Now, Brady might be different. Peyton might be different. Guys who have that mastery and control and you're willing to give them control over the offense to make checks on the line of scrimmage and to, you know, do installs that they're familiar with. Those guys can translate. But for the most of the guys, you have to understand that you know, the, the relationship between the um, offensive coordinator and the quarterback, that's one of the most important ones. So you need to be able to, to understand what his strengths are and realize okay hey yeah maybe he um you know he failed in in other situations but he succeeded in this one if your system is set up like that or if you feel as though you can get him the help that he needs then absolutely you should take a take a look at him because the the other part some of the stuff you just can't account for is confidence is swag it's, it's somebody flying across the country on two days notice and and putting up a dub like that that is important you know um so i think yeah it's it's definitely worth um, the Jets for sure and, and other teams taking a look at. But I think at this point in his career, you have to be you know, realistic and say, hey, listen, it's not just him as a player. He needs the right situation to flourish. Great stuff as always, Kiwi. Um, and, and those are some of the top storylines in around the NFL right now as we head into week 17. You're listening to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. We still have a lot more coming your way. Um, and, uh, and of course, of course, Mike Tannenbaum will join us in the 10 a.m. hour. So stay tuned for that. 98.7 ESPN. New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka and Anita Marks. Joining us now, we have Jets beat reporter, Rich Samini. Rich, happy new year. Good morning. All that good stuff. How you doing? All the good stuff. Good morning. Happy new year, Kiwi. Uh, coming to you live from Seattle. And uh, okay. looking forward to a big game today. A big game. Okay. Well, let's let, yeah. let's get into it. We got a lot of a lot of big changes. Big game. Um, obviously, with the big talk, Mike White is starting. Well, I mean, the defense has been playing, you know, lights out. That's also a big talk. But you know, the one that clutters the headlines is the quarterback play for good reason. But um, talk to me about how you expect this team to react to Mike White before we get into what you expect from him on the field. Yeah, positive spark for uh, you know. I think the Jets were very uh, happy and relieved that he got the okay on Monday uh, when he went for all his rib scans and finally got the clearance that he had been waiting a couple of weeks for. And I think you could feel a sense, you could just feel it in the locker room. It's hard to describe, but I think the uh, confidence level of the team went up. Uh, clearly, they were not performing well on offense with Zach Wilson at quarterback. And so I think Mike White gives them their best chance. 
Um, this is, uh, you know, a moment he's been waiting for. You know, this is an opportunity of a lifetime for him to step into a basically a pennant race, so to speak, and get the Jets in the playoffs. He has not performed well on the road in his career. Now, we are talking about a very small sample size. I believe he's 0-3 on the road. But he has I – mean, he did play well in that Minnesota game a few weeks ago, which was on the road. So, uh, yeah, this is a very, very – a lot of storylines today, led by Mike White. Have you had conversations with his teammates and, and picked their brain about why they're, you know, in such support of him? Is it his work ethic? Is it just his personality? I mean, obviously his play on the field, um, you know, is, is, is an improvement. But what else about Mike White can you tell me that, uh, that people respond to I think so much? CJ, yeah, I think C.J. Mosley said it best. He goes, the guys trust him, and he always brings his spark to the field. Uh, he runs the offense the way uh, the way Mike LaFleur has designed it to run. I mean, he's going to spread the ball around. I think it's typically you'll see, uh, you know, uh, you know, seven or eight guys catch the ball. You know, I think there was one game where he had nine or ten different players caught the ball. So he's going to spread it around. He has a point guard mentality. I think that keeps every player involved. It's good for morale, knowing that any point in the game you could get the ball. So if you're a skill position guy you know, you got to be into it because he might come to you. And so I think that's one reason why. And like I said, he moved the offense. Now, the point production has not been great. He's averaging 22 points a game as the starter. That's basically the league average, you know. But he is moving the ball. 420 yards a game is really good. I think the Jets, over the three-game span where Mike White started, the Jets were fourth in the league in offense with 420 yards. So they know the ball can move with him. they got to be a little crisper in the red zone, though. Is he talk about his health? Is he physically in shape to to start this game and finish this season? Well, he says he is, Kiwi. I mean, we we have to trust him on that. I mean, he did have the fractured ribs. I think it was two or three fractured ribs. He said uh, he felt fine two weeks ago, well enough to play. Obviously, doctors did not see it that way. The doctors I spoke to, like not affiliated with the Jets, said basically it's a three to four week injury. So today is exactly three weeks from the injury, which, of course, happened in Buffalo. I think he will be wearing some extra protection today. He, he acknowledged that. He said the equipment staff was working on something to, you know, so they protect the rib area today. But, you know, he's, he's got to get rid of the ball faster. And the offensive line has got to protect better. I mean, they just, you know, in the last couple of weeks, the pass protection has slid. So they need to be better in pass protection. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely difficult when you have um... – constant quarterback changes you have uh you know personnel changes up front for offensive linemen but you know when you when you get so much focus on on the quarterback play a lot of things can go under the radar that are contributing to it um talk to me about in your opinion what contributed to the regression the immense regression from Zach Wilson obviously he bears a lot of the responsibility but outside of that you know who else is responsible and and what needs to change well, obviously, everything needs to change because if you look at um, statistically what he's done in his first two years, I mean, I, I don't want to sound melodramatic or anything, but, I mean, it's the worst. It's one of the worst, if not the worst, first two years for a quarterback in the last 20, 25 years. I mean, I, I used a note last week in my notes how his numbers basically after his first 20, I think his 22 starts, were pretty close to what Jamarcus Russell had with the Raiders, um, you know, a decade or so ago. And I think Russell was drafted in 07. First two years were a disaster, and he's he generally regarded as one of the worst 
picks, quarterback picks. The exact numbers are basically the same as Demarcus Russell. That's a pretty damning indictment. His his mechanics are just completely out of whack. His his footwork, uh, when he throws the ball, he's not balanced. Uh, these are things that the Jets have been working with him on. These things have not improved. Um, he just needs a full off season of some really intense scrutiny, some intense teaching. And the problem with this is, and I'm sure you could, you know, appreciate this, you know, the CBA does not allow players to be in the facility um, until April, once the season's over. So it's really hard. I think it's one of the factors that contributes to why it's so hard to develop quarterbacks nowadays, because they can't be with their coaches every day. You know, he can't go out in the field in the middle of February to work on some footwork drills with Michael Floyd. He can't do that. And so it, it's really hard. He's got his own quarterback coach, obviously, and John Beck, who's out in L.A. But it's just a total makeover for Zach Wilson, complete and total makeover. Okay. With, with all that going on on the offensive side of the ball, talk to me about how this defense has been able to, to keep their mindset um, in the dominant position or in that position to go in and continuously dominate games. Yeah, the defense has played well. I think they're, what, third or fourth in the league in total defense right now. I think they've gotten to a point where if they give up a long touchdown drive, we sort of nitpick, and I, I think maybe I'm guilty of that as well. But I think it's a good sign because it shows the standard is, is higher. You know, it's like, oh, they give up a long touchdown drive. You know, how could they? And so that shows that the expectations are so much higher than they were a year ago, and that's certainly a good thing. But, uh, you know, the, the thing with the defense that I worry about is just the overall spirit of it I think in the Jacksonville game, uh, which seems like such a long time ago, you know, last Thursday was, I mean, Zach Wilson first, you know, the defense creates the takeaway on this uh, Quinn and Williams strip sack, you know, and they get the ball basically a gimme touchdown, and Zach Wilson takes a horrendous sack. He does not see a blitzer on third down, and they have to settle for a field goal. I think that was deflating for the defense, and sure enough, you know, a short time later, they give up a 90, I think it was 96-yard touchdown drive. And so – that's why I think the offense, it has to be complimentary football today. Mike White is going to have to get this offense moving and get off to a good start. Here's an amazing stat. The Jets have only two opening drive touchdowns this year. I mean, so two out of 15 games, they scored on their opening drive a touchdown, and they did it last in the Chicago game with Mike White at quarterback. I think that would be a huge lift for them today and just, and just help out the defense a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it earlier, just in, in terms of when you're playing with a, a team or an offense that's anemic or having turnovers specifically or three and outs, whatever it is, you don't get a lot of time on the sideline. You don't get a lot of time to catch your breath or to get the information disseminated. So is is this a situation where they've had to take a hands-off approach and just go into the game knowing that there's going to be a lot of, you know, you know, quick repeats, get right back there on the field? Um, and if so, like who's who's on the field, you know, doing the leadership? Well, C.J. Mosley is on the field for every snap, so uh, he is in the leadership role calling the signals. You know, luckily for the Jets, they do rotate their defensive linemen a lot. So uh -huh. guys like, I mean, Quinn and Williams will play the most, and he's really only like 65 to 70% of the defensive snaps. So they try to keep the guys fresh into the fourth quarter. I just think, you know, psychologically it has to wear you down and, you know, when the offense continually is punting, you know, we're turning the ball over. And so that's why I think even the defense is excited about Mike White coming back to the lineup because he, you know, he has he can move the ball. There's no it, it is a fact that he can move the football. Now 
Like I said, they have to be a little sharper in the red zone because when Mike White's the quarterback, they're only 33% in the red zone, which is, which is low. So it has to get better in the red zone, but at least they know they can take some time off the clock and move the ball with some time-consuming drives. Interesting. What are your tell me about your your expectations for um, this week and and do you think that there is playoff potential here? I know there's a lot of scenarios and things that have to happen, but what are your expectations for this week and um, throughout the end of the season? Well, the best case scenario for the Jets is, is you know they could take the field today at four oh five, knowing that they're in control of their own destiny. You know, I mean, they say they're not going to be scoreboard watching, but I think it's human nature. <laughs> to be taking a peek at that New England-Miami game at 1 o'clock. So if New England loses today at home to, to Miami and to Teddy Bridgewater, the Jets will go on the field in, in an unbelievably great situation. I mean, who'd have thunk it? After the Jacksonville game, they appeared to be dead, and they could be in a situation where they have their, their playoff fate in their own hands. Let's see what they do with it. I mean, I think Seattle, we haven't touched on them. I mean, they're struggling too. I mean, they've mm-hmm. lost three in a row. They haven't lost four in a row, I think, since Jim Morrow Jr. was the coach in 2000. So they've been scuffling. I think it's five out of their last six under Pete Carroll and Geno Smith. Geno Smith has cooled off a little bit. He's got five picks in the last five games. Their run defense is abysmal. The next to worst in the league, it's arguably the worst in Seattle franchise history. So that anemic jet running game has a real opportunity to get off the mat today and put up some real yards. Well, good stuff. Uh, thank you, Rich. We appreciate it. Stay, uh, you know, stay safe, and hope you enjoy 2023. That is inside Thanks. the numbers. Brought to you by Eisner Amper. I'm Matthias Kiwanuka for Anita Mark and Mike Tannenbaum. Coming up later here on 98.7 ESPN. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Ready for Kiwi's keys to the game. That's right. It's time for Kiwi's Keys to the Game, brought to you by Weissman Bourbon from Kentucky Owl. Please enjoy responsibly. Also, Bud Light, uh, cold Bud Light. You know it's game day. Uh, you know it's here when you crack open that cold Bud Light. Also brought to you by Samuel Institute for Pain Management for a pain-free life. Visit SamuelPain.com. With that, be- with that being said, uh, Kiwi, tell us, what are your three keys to the game? What do the Jets need to do today in order to beat the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're talking about the Jets. Uh, you know, Rich had some some great things to, to bring up and, and, and added to the, you know, to the show. But I think, you know, feeding off that Mike White energy is number one for me. You know, if you have the, the, the guy at the helm that, that you are, you know, you 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 put your energy behind who you want to see thrive you want to see him do well then everybody needs to to continue to to um feed off of that energy um and then get to Gino early and often you know rich reminded us that they've also lost five of their last six Gino has not been playing you know the same level as he was you know early in the year when when we were all raving about him so get to him early get him off balance have him thinking about a lot of different things you know going into halftime and then on the defensive side i think it's time to just be positive you know like can just continue being productive professionals you know i you know somebody who played it's very difficult you know to play and to keep your mind and to stay focused when you're playing with constant quarterback changes you know in and outs three and outs um 
you know, turnovers and such. So, you know, for them, it's just, you know, continue doing what you're doing at this point. You know, don't necessarily, you don't necessarily need to make any changes. You just need to make sure that you maintain the status quo and continue to play well. So feed off the Mike White energy, you know, get to the quarterback early and often and on defense. Just keep doing what you're doing. Love it. Love it. Well, it's now time for our locks of the week. Let's get it. Anita's three locks of the week. That's right. Time for our locks of the week. And uh, just FYI, went three and zero again last week. Who am I? I'm I'm back on that roll, Kiwi. I'm back on. Hopefully, listen. Hopefully, you're playing my bets this season. So I'm thirty three and fifteen on the season. So what, what? You went you went to an Ivy League school. So what is that? What what percentage is that? 30, 33 of what? Forty eight, right? 30, 33 of forty eight is what? What's what's the percentage of that? It's it's time. Sixty eight. I'm sixty eight percent on the season. Oh my! If I here's the thing. Here's if I just would have if I just would have played these three bets each week, uh, mom would be be wearing a lot of new shoes. Uh, but but obviously that's not how I roll. So all right. So here we go. Uh, locks of the week heading into uh, into week seventeen. Uh, let's start first and foremost. I like the Patriots here. Patriots minus two and a half against the Dolphins. Tua out. Teddy Bridgewater is in. Miami has lost four straight with Tua. Uh, ranked 27th offensively in the NFL the last six weeks. They are 31st next to last in third down conversion rate offensively. So offensively, defenses, I should say offensively, they are being stopped. Defense, opposing defenses have found the way to contain, not going to be able to, st- to stop, but contain uh, both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. As for the Patriots' defense, top 10 in a number of, of categories. Points per attempt, yards per attempt, completions. They're only allowing uh, quarterbacks uh, less than 60% completion percentage. In fact, uh, Patrick Mahomes walked away with a 59% completion percentage against them when they played. And Mac Jones, 240 yards last week and two touchdowns. I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna hear from Mike Tannenbaum coming our way, Kiwi. I have a feeling, you know, he's all about the he's been all about the Patriots the last few weeks. They haven't panned out for him. I think this is the week that they do, uh, especially since they are in New England. So um, I do like the Patriots minus two and a half. That's my play. I also side play on the under at 41. But in regard to locks of the week, my play is Patriots minus two and a half. What say you? Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Two of being out, playing up in New England. Um, you know, the Patriots, I think I think they'll take care of this one. Okay, so that's play number one. Play number two, uh, the Packers minus two and a half, and you could get that at minus 144. So what does that mean? You're laying $144 down to win $100. I got the Packers minus two and a half. I get it. Vikings, they cover. They're a cover machine. They win, what, one score game. They're 11-0 in one score games. But here, here's what I find interesting in this matchup. Number one, Packers are at home. You know what it's like, Lambeau Field in January. Aaron Rodgers is 64% against the spread as a division favorite at home. Number two, offensive line is getting healthier. They are, they are blocking. They are protecting Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Number three, we're seeing the chemistry really develop between Aaron Rodgers and that very young but talented wide receiving core. Also, defensively, they're good against the pass. The Minnesota Vikings, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I don't know how they're in the playoffs, let alone second worst defense against the pass. Now, all that screams 
Packers, why I'm laying the, the two and a half, okay? But here's the thing. The Eagles play at one o'clock, okay, Kiwi? If the Eagles win and they beat the Saints, the Vikings aren't really playing for much. They're playing for the two or third seed. What, you know, where, where do you, likely, which is likely, right? Like, like, so where is it, is, is there more value in resting your players I think, I think or, it's or is there more value in making sure you solidify? Because here's the thing. Let's be honest. We, we know, we know, uh, the, the 49ers are going to, the 49ers are going to win today. Right. I, I mean, they're going up against the Raiders, Stidham. We know the 49ers are going to win today or, or at least, you know, the, the likelihood of. Yes, we can say they're going to win. Right. So I think there's a chance that the Minnesota Vikings might risk that might might rest their players. I think they might. Yeah, I, I think it, it would make sense. One, um, first of all, you stop showing things that you're planning to uh, impl- implement and re- execute in the playoffs, you know, and then you rest individuals. So it's not not, not even if it, it doesn't even have to look like a whole wave going out. But there are certain people who have been dealing with this, dealing with that. Get them out of the game. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. So, uh, so Packers minus two and a half. And, and also, uh, I buried the lead here, and their playoff hopes are still alive. So the Packers are playing for a lot, right? So uh, that's play number two. And play number three, brace yourself. I don't know if you're going to agree with this. Give me the Carolina Panthers plus three. Why not? All right. Bucks only one. Do you know the Bucks have only one win against above 500 team? And that was in week one with Dallas. And oh, by the way, Dak went out in that game. He got injured in that game. Uh, they do not have a run game. Their defensive line is injured. Actually, a lot of their defensive players are injured. Their offensive line is injured. They are 3-11-1 against the spread. They have not covered at home all season long. And just all, th- all three, three phases of their team, they're just god-awful. Meanwhile, for, for Carolina, Sam Darnold has found a new lease on life. He's not seeing ghosts anymore. He's playing well. Um, Foreman is, has instituted a great run game. Uh, they have a huge special teams advantage. Uh, they looked good against the Lions, full disclosure, right? Like, like you know, we were talking about the Lions possibly uh, mm-hmm. winning last week, and that didn't happen. And they're playing to win the division. So I like the Carolina Panthers getting the three. I think they win outright. So give me the three points with Carolina. What say you? No, that's the only one I, I, I disagree with. Uh, I knew just, it. Yeah, there's too much instability, you know, at that, you know, in, in the front office on the team and, and whatnot. And then you, you talk about a Buccaneers team that's led by your favorite player of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, no, I'm, I'll, I'll go against you on this one. But the other two I think are solid. But, you know, you're, you're, you're coming on strong these last couple of weeks. So we'll see how it goes. So, again, just to recap, Carolina plus three. Uh, against the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, the Packers minus two and a half uh, against the Vikings and the Patriots minus two and a half against Miami. Those are my locks of the week. I always like to throw in an extra nugget for you. And that is Jarrett Goff over 277 and a half passing yards. Why? Uh, He's back at home in the Motor City under the dome, 78% completion percentage, 98 quarterback rating. Okay, Uh, he's thrown for over 300 yards in four of his last five games. And this Bears defense, bottom five in the NFL, an explosive passing rate as well as yards per attempt. Mm. So I think golf has a monster game against the Bears at home in Detroit. Over 277 and a half passing yards. That's my little extra nugget. 
So, uh, so there's that. 800-919-3776. Let's take some calls uh, before we take a break. And, of course, usher in not only the new year, but Mike Tannenbaum joining the show at the top of the 10 a.m. hour. Let's go to Ira in Staten Island. Ira, welcome in. Good morning. Hey, good morning. All the best to both of you. A very happy and healthy new year. Um, so the Jets got a very good opportunity today. Let's see if they could get it together. I do believe what Rich said. Uh, I, I think the enthusiasm with Mike White coming back, I think it energizes the team. I think the defense will go out there. Hopefully they don't give up another 50-yard touchdown when it's fourth and one. But at the end of the day, these are two really reeling teams. Um, what scares me is they got to give Pete Carroll the huge edge in coaching. Uh, I still have concerns about uh, Salah. We'll see if he gets the team ready and make the right calls. And I don't trust LaFleur. And hopefully he's learned from his mistakes. And maybe they, they got to protect the quarterback and they got to get this running game going. You hear it week in and week out. The Lions and the Jaguars showed if you stack the box, you can't run, at least with the offensive line the Jets have. So they're going to have to use the pass to set up the run. Hopefully they get that done. And I know you got Mike coming up. And he keeps on talking about the Bills Cincinnati. If the Bills lose, they're not going to play any, for anything the following week. He's wrong on that. Because next week, the Chiefs are on the West Coast. If the Chiefs win and the Bills lose this week, okay, the Bills in Cincinnati, they're the both going to probably play at 1 o'clock next week. So the Bills can't lay down because if they lay down and then the Chiefs lose at 4, they end up losing the number one seed. So everything's on the table for everybody, but at the end of the day, they just have to take care of their own business. Um, hopefully, hopefully they can get this done. And, Anita, I do uh, agree with you. I think it's a tall task to ask Bridgewater and the Dolphins to go into Foxborough and beat that team today. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be rough, rough sledding. Thank you, Ira. Happy New Year to you and Happy yours. New Let's Year. go to Mitch in East Windsor. Um, Mitch, welcome in. Good morning. Good morning. Happy and happy New Year to you both and your families, of course. Same happy to you. Oh, thank you. Oh, well, I see the uh, Derek Carby out there, maybe a trade, but I still like to see the Jets dress. I don't know if they get lucky, C.D. Stroud maybe falls, or maybe in the later rounds, Dorian Thomas Robinson from UCLA. I, I think I like his career. He's improved every year. He's pretty athletic. I would think the Chargers would be smart to take him, too. And one more thing, I, I think the Chargers are really coming on strong, and, and then I think the 49ers are the team to beat in the NFC. Can you see a Bosa against Bosa in the Super Bowl? That'd be awesome. That'd be great. I would love it. Thanks for taking my call. Dad, what do you, what do you what do you do as a parent? What do you do as a a, a Bosa parent at that point? That's got to be right. that's got to be really tough. Write right? a book. Yeah. Um, donate some DNA. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's it's it's really amazing. Um, uh, before we take a break, and, and we are going to bring in Mike Tannenbaum. Uh, just a few reports here from Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network. Number one, he's reporting that GM Joe, Joe Douglas does not plan to shop Zach Wilson this offseason. And I'm going to read the little excerpt at, below that headline. Uh, it's hard to buy this as anything more than posturing uh, because the Jets have fared better with every quarterback they have trotted out not named Wilson over the past two years, including Mike White, who will be the team starter after the, fi- the final two, two weeks of the season, of course, uh, today against Seattle. Um, so there's that. Uh, and it could be posturing. We, we've, we've seen that before. You don't want a team to feel desperate because then they won't get – uh, really great offers if other teams know that um, that the Jets want to deal Zach Wilson. Number two, Ian Rappaport is uh, is uh, reporting that Las Vegas is expected to sp- explore trade options for Derek Carr. Right. So as we know, 
Carr is not starting today. Jared Stidham is, is starting today. Why? It's not because Carr has a bad performance. The only reason that they're doing that is avoid him suffering a serious injury. He's guaranteed $33 million of his contract in 2023. If he gets injured in the next two games, $33 million. The massive increase in guarantees would make it harder to trade or cut him, both of which are off uh, are on the table. So... Um, so there's that. And I know there's a lot of talk here in New York uh, in regard to possibly the Jets uh, inquiring and, and bringing in Derek Carr or even the Giants, which I think is insane because uh, you've, you've got to love the season that you've seen from uh, Daniel Jones this year. But we are going to dive into all of that uh, with Mike Tannenbaum coming your way next. Stay tuned. We kick off hour number three here. Uh, you're listening to New York Game Day on 98.7 ESPN. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.